Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to Episode 2 of the McMartin Preschool Trials. It contains mentions of sexual abuse of minors. I recommend proceeding with caution. Judy Johnson's outcry about the abuse her son faced in the McMartin Preschool launched investigations countrywide into other daycares, with numbers going up to 200 and teachers getting arrested with little to no evidence. In the days that followed, 400 McMartin children would be referred to a Los Angeles Diagnostic and Therapy Center called the Children's Institute International. And over the next four months, the staff members, led by a therapist named Key McFarland, would conduct videotaped interviews with the children. These interviews would become the focus of the McMartin trials. Just one problem. Everything in this interview was false. Mr. Monkey is a little bit chicken, and he can't remember any of the naked games. But we think that you can, because we know a naked games that you were around for, because the other kids told us. And it's called Naked Movie Star. You remember that game, Mr. Alligator? Or is your memory too bad? Um, I don't remember that game. Oh, Mr. Alligator. Um, well, it's, um, a little song that me and a friend heard of. Oh? Well, I heard out loud someone singing, Naked Movie Star, Naked Movie Star. You know that, Mr. Alligator? That means you're smart, because that's the same song the other kids knew. And that's how we really know you're smarter than you look. So you better not play dumb, Mr. Alligator. Well, no, I haven't seen anyone playing Naked Movie Star. I've only heard the song. What good are you? You must be dumb. Well, I don't, I don't know really, um, remember seeing anyone play that, because I wasn't there when I was... When the people were playing it. You weren't? You weren't? That's why we were hoping maybe you saw. See, a lot of these puppets weren't there, but they got to see what happened. Well, I saw a lot of fighting. Over the course of the investigation, McFarlane conducted more than 400 interviews using techniques that are now considered unethical in forensic investigations. This included asking leading questions, practically forcing children to say the thing they wanted them to say, and offering rewards. Initially, many of the children denied any knowledge of abuse. But after continued questioning 
the majority of them changed their stories. As a result of the interviews, McFarland diagnosed 384 children as sexually abused. An additional 150 children underwent medical examinations by Dr. Astrid Hager from CII, who concluded that 80% of them had been abused. Even though there was no physical evidence of any abuse on the children. But it didn't matter. The story, it seems, was sensational enough. In the span of two years, several organizations aimed at protecting abuse children cropped up. While this seems like a good thing, many people also proclaimed themselves as experts in child psychology, making a pretty penny off terrified parents with news and media outlets publishing their own theories and tales, and every car bumper in the Manhattan Beach area sporting an I Believe the Children bumper sticker, the McMartin case had reached a fever pitch. And it was only just beginning. The year of 1983 was an emotional roller coaster for young Billy Johnson. As the days went by, he would recount more and more horrible memories from his time in McMartin Preschool, including being tied up by Ray Bucky, having to perform oral sex, being photographed nude, seeing rabbits get chopped up, and riding naked on horses. Judy Johnson would meet up with the detective and report other stories told to her by Billy. How he described a strange event in a church where a goat was thrown down the stairs and later poked by Ray. How Ray made Billy drink the goat's blood. How the people in a newspaper ad for a health club were identified as witches who had hurt Billy in the past. She talked about how Billy pulled the tail of a lion and how an elephant played with the lion. On March 11, 1984, a number of other daycare centers in the Los Angeles area were raided for evidence of child abuse and Satanism. Despite no evidence being found, stories were spun all the same. In April of that same year, the LA Times reported that students at McMartin Preschool had been fondled, raped, photographed nude, and forced to witness animals being slaughtered. That same month, the Children's Institute launched a campaign for public donations to help with its investigation of the McMartin case and other supposed cases of daycare abuse in the Los Angeles area. In May of 1984, the indictment count reached 208, involving 40 alleged child victims. And finally, in June, the bail for Peg Bucky was posted at $1 million, while Ray Bucky was held without bail. The investigation would move on, with Ray at the center of everything. By the time August rolled around, Prosecutor Lael Rubin was telling the media that the number of defendants 
was up to seven now, with a total of 397 sex crimes committed between them. In addition to those seven, 30 more people associated with the McMartin Preschool were under investigation. Despite extensive searches of both the preschool and the defendant's home, though, no incriminating evidence was found. There were no secret tunnels or secret rooms, no signs of any rituals, and furthermore, no signs of assault on the children. The parents, however, didn't seem convinced. A group of nearly 50 McMartin preschool parents, led by Bob Curie, hired an archaeological firm to dig for these secret rooms. Later, a different firm hired by the district attorney's office started its own dig. And neither dig turned up any results. There were simply no such rooms. With even less evidence than before, the preliminary hearing went on. The hearing, which lasted for over a year, was unlike any other in history. It was a chaotic and bizarre proceeding, with seven defendants, each with their own attorney and three prosecutors. Unlike the typical preliminary hearing, wherein the prosecution tries to prove cause for bringing the defendants to trial, as the defense passively observes. The defense in the McMartin hearing mounted an affirmative defense by cross-examining witnesses, including children, parents, therapists, and medical experts. One of the key arguments made by the defense here was how is it humanly possible that such widespread abuse could have gone unnoticed for so long? It was a fair question. Therapist Key McFarland testified that the abuse had gone on for years because children either suffered from denial syndrome or were afraid to reveal the truth. She claimed to have elicited these stories with the help of anatomically correct dolls and a set of puppets, including Mr. Alligator, Mr. Snake, Detective Dog, and Mr. Sparky, through which she questioned the children during her interviews. The defense played a few tapes from the interviews, which showed the complete opposite of what might be deemed ethical practices. This is my favorite puppet right here. You want to be this puppet? Okay? Then I get to be the detective dog. We're going to just figure it all out, okay? When that tricky part about touching the kids was going on, could you take a pointer in your mouth and point on the the doll over here? On either one of these dolls? Where, Where the kids were touched? Could you do that? I don't know. I know that the kids were touched. Let's see if we can figure that out. I don't know. You don't know where they were touched? Um, yeah. Well, some of the kids told me that they were touched sometimes. They said that it was, it kind of, sometimes it kind of hurt. And some of the times it felt pretty good. Do you remember that touching game that went on? No. 
as we deep dive into these chilling tales. We all need a moment of escape, a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in. Here's where Recess Mood comes in. Crafted with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens, Recess Mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water. It's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of Foul Play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon, letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. You deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with Foul Play. And for the devoted Foul Play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com shane to get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's no surprise that the children's testimony was shocking and bizarre. With reports of playing naked versions of Cowboys and Indians in the naked movie Star Game, sexual assaults at various locations, animal sacrifices at a church, and digging up coffins in a cemetery and hacking the bodies with knives. As the preliminary hearing dragged on, even members of the prosecution's team started to have doubts about the case. It wasn't long before charges against five of the seven defendants were dropped, with only Ray Bucky and Peggy Bucky remaining as defendants. At this point, the case had already cost Los Angeles County a staggering $4 million, and the actual trial hadn't even begun yet. March 6th, 1985. In the dead of night, Judy Johnson's brother and father arrived at her home, only to be met with a wall of fear and rage. As her brother knocked on the door, four-year-old Billy cautiously opened it. Suddenly, Johnson appeared with a shotgun and pointed directly at her brother, her eyes blazing with anger and her finger hovering over the trigger. Terrified for their own safety and Billy's, they quickly fled to the police station, making arrangements for her involuntary commitment. Approval was granted for her transfer to the Kaiser Hospital in Harbor City, but with Johnson's extreme paranoia toward uniformed officers and the presence of firearms in her home, plainclothes officers were sent to take her into custody. After a 12-day psychiatric evaluation, the doctors diagnosed Judy Johnson with schizophrenia. But before she had a chance to testify in the upcoming trial, she died from alcohol poisoning 
December 1986. Before the trial was set to begin, the release of a taped interview with McMartin prosecutor Glenn Stevens sent shockwaves through the legal community. In the interview, Stevens admitted that the children's story of abuse had been embellished and embellished, and that the prosecution had failed to disclose crucial information, including the mental instability of Judy Johnson, which is where this all began, and the fact that her son was unable to identify Ray Bucky in a police lineup. Despite these revelations, the trial went ahead as planned, with a jury of eight males and four females selected after weeks of careful consideration. The trial was a smaller version of the preliminary hearing, with fewer charges, fewer attorneys, and fewer witnesses. The prosecution wanted to prove that widespread sexual abuse had taken place at the McMartin Preschool, while the defense argued that the entire case was driven by suggestive and overzealous interviewing techniques by the therapists like McFarlane, whose credibility was already under scrutiny by the public. Over the course of the trial, the prosecution presented 61 witnesses, including nine child witnesses, parents, medical specialists, therapists, and even a woman who claimed to have had sexual relations with Ray Bucky. The prosecution's parent witnesses testified that they initially had no reason to suspect abuse, but after taking their children to CII and speaking with Key McFarlane, they became convinced that their children had been molested. The prosecution's child witnesses repeated many of their stories from the preliminary hearing, including accounts of the naked movie star game, the execution of a cat with a knife, and numerous other incredibly graphic reports of abuse. In response, the defense played incriminating tapes where children denied ever being assaulted, but McFarlane still coaching the children and rewarding certain answers. Defense expert Dr. Michael Maloney, a professor of psychiatry at USC, criticized McFarland's interview techniques, calling them biased and leading. The prosecution's case fell flat again when they couldn't present a shred of medical evidence that any abuse had taken place. So when all else failed, the claims started to get a little bizarre. At one point during the trial, the prosecution tried to convince the court that Ray Bucky's fascination with pyramids and belief in their effects on living things made it more likely that he was a pedophile. That, however, backfired when a woman who had met Bucky at a pyramid convention changed her story and testified that she had indeed had sexual relations with Bucky and that she was sure he was not capable of molesting children. When it was finally time for Ray and Peggy Bucky to take the stand, they flatly denied all charges and accusations. In cross-examination, Prosecutor Lael Rubin attempted to undermine Bucky's credibility by asking him about his sexual habits in magazines. 
as well as his relationship with Barbara Goles. After nearly 30 months of testimony and two and a half months of deliberation, on November 2, 1989, the jury released Peggy Bucky on all charges and Ray Bucky on just a few. The remaining charges couldn't be cleared because the interview tape just didn't paint a complete picture. It should have been a clear-cut answer. Somehow, it wasn't. The aftermath of the McMartin preschool trial was tumultuous, and its impact was felt far beyond the courtroom. The acquittal of Ray Bucky on most of the charges against him enraged the parents of McMartin, causing them to demand a retry in the case. Parents and child protection groups marched in protest through the streets of Manhattan Beach, holding signs that proclaimed their belief in the children's testimony. A television poll even showed that 87% of respondents believed the Buckies to be guilty. The second trial was a more focused affair, with only eight counts of molestation and three children as witnesses. The prosecution's case was presented in just 13 days, compared to the 15 months in the first trial. The jury, however, remained deadlocked on all eight counts, leading to another mistrial. The district attorney, Ira Reiner, decided not to pursue a third trial, and all charges against the Buckies were finally dismissed. The McMartin preschool trial was a costly affair, both in terms of the $15 million spent by taxpayers and the toll it took on the defendants, who were left with a tarnished reputation, loss of homes, jobs, and life savings in a five-year stint in jail. The children involved in the case were also victims, as they were subjected to a traumatic legal process The Manhattan Beach community was also left uneasy and polarized by the long investigation and trial. The McMartin preschool trial had far-reaching impacts, not just in California, but across the country. Fear of molestation lawsuits led insurance companies to raise their liability insurance rates, forcing many daycare centers to shut their doors. The early attention to the McMartin case also sparked a wave of unsubstantiated charges against daycare providers across the country. The McMartin preschool trial serves as a cautionary tale of the consequences of leaping to conclusions without proper examination of evidence. The case even had a profound impact on the way daycare centers operate, with new policies being put in to limit the physical contact between teachers and children. The McMartin preschool trial was a tragedy on many levels, and its lessons must never be forgotten. Thank you for listening to the McMartin trial series here on Foul Play. As always, I'm glad you're here.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.